Good morning. Welcome to worship at Fellowship Church. To those of you who are in this space, to those of you who are joining us online, perhaps in this moment or maybe later on today or this week, we pray that this time in this space is one in which we can connect at a deeper level with God and with each other. Does anybody know what today is? Yeah, I set you up for that. Um, it is Mother's Day. It's a day of celebration for many and also a complicated day for so many others. So whether you're celebrating today or just trying to get through this day, we see you and we stand with you. But perhaps more importantly for our time of gathered worship, um, it, today is the fourth Sunday of Easter. The fourth Sunday of Easter, it's the halfway point in the Easter season, sometimes called Easter Tide, and it's known as Good Shepherd Sunday. And that's referring to when Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 10, that he is the good shepherd. He knows his sheep by name. His sheep hear his voice and they follow him. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. The Easter season that we're in, we are talking about being made new in every facet of our lives. New eyes, new ears, new hearts and minds, new feet, new voices. And so this morning in particular, at this halfway point in our journey, we remember that it is our good shepherd, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, that leads us into new life. Even outdoors, finally here in Michigan, we are beginning to see this process of revealing spring and this newness of life. It's with these things in mind, this resurrection hope that Jesus is our good shepherd and the beauty of creation, that we begin our time together hearing the words from Psalms and the New Testament. So I invite you to stand and hear these words from Psalms 23 and 24 and Philippians 4 woven together. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Let's join our voices together in worship.
mind and spirit, and then near the end, I'll invite you to join your voice with me as well. Let's pray together. O Lord, our God, strong and mighty, tender and compassionate, and forever wise, we join with the psalmist today in saying that you have been our dwelling place throughout the generations, before the mountains were born, and before you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Meanwhile, our days are like the grass of the morning, springing up and passing by. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy all of our days. And today, O oh God, as we count our days on this day in particular, we are mindful today of moms. With gladness in our hearts, we give you thanks for all the moms who have loved well and for all the other people who have acted motherly to us and in this world, including those who care for the well-being of kids at school, those who seek the flourishing of the church, local and global, and those who protect and advance the beauty of this created world. For all of these great things that moms and others do, and for all the ways that you, O oh God, have been motherly to us, we turn back and say thank you. At the same time, and with sadness, today we recognize that some are missing their moms, and others have had moms who have missed the mark, and badly. And so in memory of the well-loved moms who are no longer in our midst, and for families in which mom never really showed up in the first place, and for all the ways that we too have failed to act motherly at times in which we could have and should have. We pray, O oh Lord, please have mercy on us. We are also aware today, O oh God, of the hardships that moms often face, the true difficulty of putting up with husbands, which we say with a smile, except when it's not funny at all, for the challenges of living in community with anyone, anywhere, at home, in the neighborhoods, at church, in cities, nations, and world. And for all people who, like moms, carry the tall task of juggling 15 different things at the same time, who carry the high calling of sharing faith with the next generation, who carry the impossible task of explaining to kids what bombs and bullets do, or why some dinner tables don't have food, or why some families have to flee from their homes. In all of these situations and more, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would grant strength and wisdom to us on the journey. And as we count our days, O oh God, we are mindful even still today that you have been to us the ideal parent that we all wish to have had and hope still to be. You have been our dwelling place throughout the generations. You satisfy us in the morning with unfailing love that we may sing for joy all of our days. To that end, I pray that you would plant deep in our minds today a sure knowledge that you, O oh God, love us thoroughly no matter what we are going through, that you, O oh Christ, stand ready to make right whatever is wrong in us 
and in the world, and that you, Holy Spirit, are with us always to strengthen and sustain us. And so now we join our voices together, sharing the words on the screen as we pray. Lord, open our eyes to see you in our midst. Lord, open our ears to hear your voice. Lord, renew our minds to carry your truth. Lord, break our hearts to love like you love. Lord, move our feet to join your kingdom work. Lord, open our mouths to sing your praise. Amen.
friends, it is because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that we have peace with God and with each other. The peace of Christ be with you. Would you share a sign of that peace with your neighbor as you are comfortable? Well, good morning, friends. The Lord be with you. It has been an exciting front row up here already. You're doing great job, parents. And today is a glad day, not only because it's Mother's Day, not only because it's Good Shepherd Sunday, but also because today we get to celebrate the sacrament of baptism. And today we do that because Jesus said so, because he commanded us to do so. And in fact, Jesus himself was baptized in order to fulfill all righteousness. And one of his great disciples, Peter, would go on in the book of Acts, chapter 2, to preach the first Christian sermon, and he would conclude it with some verses that I want to invite you to say out loud with me today. They're up on the screen. Let's say it together. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so in Christian churches almost everywhere, certainly here, baptism is recognized as a sacrament, a holy mystery, a visible word, an embodiment of grace. It is a sacred coming together of normal, visible things like water and sacred, invisible things like covenantal belonging. And for the sacrament of baptism, we use the symbol of water because water cleanses, water purifies, water refreshes, and water sustains. Jesus Christ is the living water. These are the promises that we celebrate that God makes to us in the sacrament of baptism. God promises to forgive our sins and to wash us clean. God promises to unite us to Jesus Christ in his death and in his resurrection. God promises to adopt us into his body, the church. God promises to send the Holy Spirit upon us daily to strengthen and sustain us. And God promises to resurrect us into the life eternal. It is a glad thing that we celebrate in this sacrament of baptism. Sharon, would you please introduce us? I would first like to present uh, Will and Haley Prince with their daughter Rory, and they're bringing the, or they brought their youngest Geneva Jean for baptism at the nine o'clock service. Mm -hmm. And right now I would like to present to you Patrick and Elise Sisler with their daughter Finley, who are bringing their youngest, Brady Clark, for baptism. Wonderful. Come on forward. <laughs> Sharon, would you pray, please? I will. Mm. Thank 
We thank you, O God, for the gift of baptism and the symbol of water by which you offer to us the promises of salvation, that we are buried with Jesus Christ in his death, rise up with him in his resurrection, and given the help of the Holy Spirit in all of life's journey. So now, holy and gracious God, we pray on behalf of those baptized today that you would wash them clean and enable them to receive new life. To you, O God, be the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. My friends, we have heard of the promises that God makes to us at baptism, but we also respond with promises. And so Patrick and Elise, uh, we as parents make promises to our kids uh, before our friends and family uh, of the church. So I have to ask you, uh, do you promise to instruct Brady Clark in the truth of God's word and in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray for him and to teach him to pray and train him in Christ's way by your example through worship and the nurture of the church? If so, say we do. We do. Congregation, we get to make a promise as well uh, to this family, so would, would you please stand up and make this promise with me? The words are on the screen. As a covenant community called Fellowship Church, we, we promise, promise to love, encourage, and support these families. families. By teaching the gospel of God's love, by being an example of Christian faith and character, and by giving the strong support of God's family in fellowship, prayer, and service. Thanks. You may be seated. Sistlers, if you would, scoot on down here in front of the font. That would be great. And Brady needs to come closer to me here. And we look forward to baptizing together here. So you're going to stay with you or come with me? We'll try. Very we'll good. Try. All right, Brady Clark. Mom's right there. You're doing great. <laughs> Brady Clark, let me tell you something. One of the most beautiful truths in this world. It was for you that Jesus Christ came into this world. It was for you that he lived. It was for you that he died. And it was for you that he conquered death even though you know nothing of this just yet. And so it is true when the scriptures say, we love because God loved us first. Brady Clark, your parents have picked a passage that they want to pray over you today and the rest of your life long. It's from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 8, which says, for it is by grace you have been saved hmm. through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Yes? <laughs> well, I'm going to baptize you, little guy. I'm going to put some water on your head, okay? Brady Clark, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son <laughs> and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Welcome to the family. Amen. Amen. <laughs> In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only King and Head of the Church, I declare that Brady Clark is now received into the visible membership of the Holy Catholic Church, engaged to, faith, engaged to confess the faith of Christ, and be God's faithful servant until his life's end. Mm -hmm. Let's give it up for Brady Clark. The... You did great, buddy. <laughs> and you guys can Fellowship, the Lord be with you.
My name is Jess Mix, and I'm the Minister of Creative Arts and Worship here at Fellowship, where it is our mission to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. It's a mission we publicly state Sunday after Sunday, and we seek to live out week after week and year after year. Right now, we are capturing, gathering stories of who we are as Fellowship Church, ways that we have and can continue to live into our values. If you received a bulletin this morning, then you may have noticed already, I'd invite you to pull it out at this moment, inside is this thing we're calling our values card. For those of you who are worshiping online, um, there is a link to the questions on this card so that you can answer them. It's in the notes tab on Church Online. For those of you who are in person, we're inviting everyone here, whether you've been a part of fellowship for 10 minutes or 10 years or more or somewhere in between, to fill out one of these cards. Um, as I was looking at it this week, I was compelled by the second question, tell us about a time you were grateful to be a part of fellowship. Not only did I think I want to hear the stories of each of you when you consider that question, but I also thought of one of my own, and it was a year and a half ago in December of 2020, um, as we are nearing the end of that year, and COVID numbers were rising again, we gathered outside Christmas Eve on this side of the building, and it was freezing cold. <laughs> we tried to play the keyboard without gloves on, which was really hard. We tried to keep our candles lit during silent night, despite the wind blowing them out. Um, and it was a really beautiful gathering for us, memorable. But really, it wasn't that gathering as much as what we did afterwards that made me the most grateful to be a part of fellowship. We took our freezing cold worship service, <laughs> and we took it to the hospital. And we gathered outside of a couple of the entrances at Holland Hospital, and we lit our candles again, and we sang some Christmas songs, and we offered gift bags to the medical workers who were coming in and out of the building at shift change. I think it was a beautiful reminder that we don't just keep uh, the truth of the Christmas story or any of the stories in the scripture to ourselves, but we can go and be a blessing to others who were having a very, very hard year themselves um, through the pandemic. So I wonder what your stories might be as you think about how you're grateful to be a part of fellowship or maybe one of the other questions on the card um, compel you to answer. Either way, we ask that you take a moment to consider these things, to fill it out, and to drop them off at the Welcome Center or to use the QR card code and to do it online. Uh, coming up next Sunday evening, uh, something I'm super excited about is we're having our annual hymn sing and ice cream social. Um, if you've not been to one yet, uh, this one is this Sunday, Sunday, May 15th at 6.30 p.m. right here in this space. It will not be live streamed. It's just an in-person um, event only. But if you've been to one before or you haven't, you'll know um, if you've been that they sing, I say they, we sing with gusto these hymns. These, it's been like the loudest singing I've heard at Fellowship is on the hymn sing. Super exciting. Um, you get to be a part of picking those hymns, so I'm gathering some titles for us this week as we plan it, um, and we'll also be able to hear the particular reasons why they're favorite hymns and some of the stories behind the hymns um, and the writing of them. So, and of course, ice cream is always awesome, right? So let me know if you have any requests for that. Um, also, next, the, the following Sunday, sorry, May 22nd, speaking of singing, we're having vocalists uh, choir lead our worship with hymns and praise songs as we uh, normally lead this morning, or as we do in worship, we'll be doing it with a vocal choir. And so we're inviting all of you who have the gift of singing and the joy of participating in that way to just come to one rehearsal on the Wednesday prior, May 18th at 6.30, and then we'll sing together in both services on the 22nd. 
Uh, also, we have some meetup and eat up sign up sheets available in the atrium. Karen Donker is shepherding that process. It's another annual opportunity to go and serve in our area, those who are in need. So let Karen if you know if you have any questions about that, and you can use the sign-up sheets in the atrium. Lots of things are in your bulletin this morning, um, so I encourage you to check that out. Also, on the back side of the bulletin, we have our care sheet every week. Um, wanted to point out just a couple of things, one that did not make it in there. Nancy Van Leer uh, fell this past week, and she is recovering from that, so we want to keep her in our prayers. And then also, Don Jansma is recovering at home now and no longer at the Holland Hospital, so we give thanks for that, and we continue to pray for him. At this time, I invite our kids who are ages three years through fifth grade to head on out for their Sunday school time. And the rest of y'all, I invite you to stand and we will sing together, Speak, O Lord, as we um, ask God to speak to our hearts as we hear God's word preached.
may be seated. Well, the Lord be with you, Fellowship Church. I do need the Lord to be with me and with us as we hear God's word this morning because I have a terrible cold. And uh, I did test, and I'm negative, but I just wanted to let you know that I sound a little nasally, even more so. uh, That's probably why. This past week, though, I had a, a cool opportunity. I got to check out with one of you your new car, and it was a sweet car, like less than 300 miles on it, Awesome color, white leather interior, come on. Had some cool new features like a frunk. Have you heard of this? It's a trunk that's in the front, a little mini trunk. I mean, it was awesome. And I was super excited for the new car owner. And I was a little convicted about how excited I was. I mean, it's not bad to be excited, of course, but uh, what had me wondering amidst this new car and amidst our new, made new worship series, how often do I experience that kind of excitement or uh, enthusiasm for my life with Christ? What would it be like to experience that freshness every time? And is it possible? Well, in a word, it is possible, and we can, and different from the things of this world, like a new car or new shoes or a new kitchen, we can experience new life in in Christ on a recurring basis, and it's a gift that the Spirit offers to us. That has certainly been our hope in this series that we are in called Made New, that in light of the resurrection of Jesus, that the same spirit that was at work in raising Jesus from the dead can breathe new life in each one of us. And that happens through the different parts of who we are. We are given new eyes to see a couple weeks ago, or last week, new ears to hear. And this week, we're considering what does it mean to have a new mind, a mind that has been made new so that we can think and act differently. One of the most famous passages and one of my personal favorites on this is from Romans chapter 12. Before we read it, let's pray together. Renew us, O Christ, we pray in the hearing of your word. May it be for us the catalyst that causes new life in us, new ways of seeing, hearing, moving, and being. And this morning we pray that you might transform our minds afresh and our understanding of you and your purposes for us and for this world. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may be able to test what is God's will, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to you, to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. This is the word of the Lord. 
This past week, I uh, took my office to the new Hayworth Hotel. Has anybody been to the new Hayworth Hotel? It's completely renovated. The main lobby is all like a, a Hayworth showroom. It's beautiful, actually. And there's lots of little nooks for working, and they have a new Big B coffee shop. It's, it's a decent little place to do some work. And I found out while I was there a couple things. One is that uh, because of its adjacency to Hope College, there are a number of students that go to uh, the Hayward Hotel. I think I was one of the only patrons outside of a few guests at the hotel that were enjoying a cup of coffee at the, um, at the Hayworth Hotel, which made me realize that, you know, contrary to what I think you all know, might assume, that I'm not in my 20s anymore. I'm, I'm not uh, a college student any longer. And the second thing I realized when I was there was that it was exam week, and the students that were there were frantically getting ready for the last week of school. They were writing new notes, highlighting old notes, getting ready for exams. They were typing out papers, their final papers, making those edits on the last paragraph, while also flipping through their pages and punching out digits on their calculator for their final projects. You could feel in the air that it was crunch time, and they had little time to get ready for what was about to happen. Two of the students that were there, I maybe, uh, you know, as you might expect, kind of boldly went up and introduced myself to them. They were Amelia and Megan. They are, uh, one is a pre-nursing or nursing student, one is also a forensic scientist or something like that, smart, kid, smart, smart, smart students. But they are, were getting ready for a microbiology nursing exam. And they had all of their stuff spread out, and then they created this worksheet with everything that they needed to do to learn for their exam on one sheet. It was super impressive. They were working much harder than I was in that moment. But it had me wondering, as I saw them frantically getting ready for this exam, is this what Paul had in mind when he asked that we would have a mind renewed, transformed? Is this what mind renewal looks like? After some introductions, uh, I told Amelia and Megan that I was going to be preaching on Romans 12. And being Christians, they said, this isn't at all what Paul had in mind, cramming like this and being overly anxious like we are hours before our test. They said, Paul, uh, they said, Christ doesn't want us to do it this way. A mind renewal is so much more. And I think, I think that Paul would agree with them in his letter to the Romans. Yes, the study of God's word is very important and we can cram a little bit at times and because it is a key component in discerning God's will. And the renewal of our minds is so much more than being able to crush biblical trivia. We see this in the nuances of Paul's appeal. It reveals that it's so much more than intellectual information consumption. Our whole bodies, Paul said, are supposed to be living sacrifices, transformed beings, not just transformed thinkers. So that, and the so that in that statement was that, that we might be able to discern God's will for us. God's will isn't something that we just know, it's something that we do. It's to know and to act. The renewal of our minds animates our entire lives. As my new acquaintance, Amelia, would say, or put it, we renew our minds so our whole life might be in line with Jesus. 
Amelia and Megan, if you're watching, I want to know how you did on that exam, by the way. Specifically, though, it's got me wondering, what, what does it mean to renew our minds in concrete ways? And I think it has a lot to do with our relationships. The renewal of our minds is for the purpose of our relationships, our relationships with people and the world in which we are planted. This past week at our staff meeting, we have been going through the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Look, at I got my tissue box right here. Come on. Um, and Bryce Vanderstelt, our, one of our youth pastors, led us through the chapter uh, for this week that we were discussing. And a key component of that chapter is discerning the difference between how we treat and how we are in relationship with people as an it or a thou. Have you heard of this? A thou is to see the you in someone else, that they are created by God, that they are gifted by God, that they are redeemable by God. Whereas oftentimes we might relegate people to an it, an object, a thing we can judge as either good or bad based on how they agree with us, like a, a cup of coffee or something. The it is a way to, for us to... to to dehumanize someone and to not see Christ at work in them. It seems to me that this it-thou paradigm could be a really helpful way for us to think about how our relationships with the world, with others, and even our relationship with ourselves can be transformed with a mind made new. And I think Romans 12 invites us to do that. First, how does a renewed mind transform our relationship with the world? Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. And it's easy for us to think of the world as an object that we can dismiss. And the scriptures seem to indicate this. Not only does Paul say, uh, do not conform to this world, but John in his epistle says, do not love the world or anything in the world, as if it's something that we totally dismiss. On the other hand, the world is the very thing that God came to save. The world is, is, is God's beloved, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Or Paul, that in Christ, God was reconciling the world, making the world right back to himself. So is the world something that we are to object and uh, to treat as an it that we dismiss? Or is the world something that we are to love and to cherish like God does. I think there's a number of ways in which we can do both of those things faithfully. On one hand, we do want to objectify and treat some things in this world as an it that we want to stand against. And so we, yes, of course, we stand against racism in all of its forms. We stand against abuse of the vulnerable. We stand against and advocate for those that are experiencing a genocide in their country. Or we reject products that recklessly pollute our world. We stand against things that we know are wrong. And we treat the world as God's beloved. And so we do the same things that Jesus told us to do, don't we? We feed the hungry, we clothe the poor, we visit the imprisoned, we walk with people who are going through difficult times or grieving. Sometimes, though, if you're like me, the things that we do in this world are not always obvious. They're not always obviously beloved or obviously something that we can stand against. So much more is in the middle. 
And I think a part of discerning the will of God that, we, that our minds might be made renewed is to ask really good questions. Ask questions like, how might God be at work in this thing that I'm doing? Is what I'm frustrated with in the world beyond Christ's saving work? How might this team, this party, this group that I'm a part of challenge my allegiance to Jesus? I think asking good questions is a, a posture of humility that allows our minds to be renewed, surprised by what God might be saying to me, to us. It seems that a mind made new will always be open to how Christ is at work in this world, not seeing it only as an it to be rejected, but also as a thou that can be loved and redeemed by God. That's the first one. The second one, how does our renewed mind transform our relationship with other people? The majority of Romans chapter 12 is a chapter about how Christians are to belong to one another, how we're to be in relationship with one another, to see one another as gifted by God and as, as uniquely gifted as different parts of the body of Christ, which is to say to see others as a thou, created, loved, and redeemable by God instead of it's to be used for our purposes. What does this mean exactly? Join me in the line at Meyer's grocery store. You have a cart full of groceries and you don't want to go to the self-checkout line because you got so many things and you have some stuff that you're going to need the cashier to check out anyway. So you go to the regular line and you're waiting in line and the person in front of you also has a pretty full cart, not quite as full, but you're like, oh, this line shouldn't take too long, right? And so they start putting their stuff on the belt and then you, they finish and you put a few things behind the belt waiting to unload the rest of your cart. And as you're waiting for the belt to move forward, all of a sudden the belt stops like, what is going on? Uh, they have a lot more things to check out. But they stop, and the, the person in front of you says, hold on a minute, cashier, I need to pay for this. And so they, say, they pause, and the person whips out a checkbook, you know, those things that are paper that you write on, uh, and that somehow is a promise that they, it's worth money. So they write on a check, and they pay, and you're like, what is going on? This is taken for, what are you writing a check for for such a small portion of your, your groceries? They do it. And they pay the cashier, and then the, cart, the belt starts moving again, and all of a sudden it stops again before the groceries are done. you got to be kidding me. The person in front of you pulls out another checkbook and starts writing a check again. Can you believe this? I mean, do they have any consideration for like the fact that we're in the 21st century? You can just swipe this. Come on, just make it go faster. What are you taking so long for? Not once, though, and not twice did the belt stop. Not three times even. Not even four times. Five times the belt stops. Five different checks, handwritten checks for each portion of their groceries are written. What is going on? Why are you violating my time? Do you have any consideration for me and my world and this cashier? Can you believe it? They have to validate five checks. The person that is in front of you has now just transferred from a thou as a fellow human getting groceries like you and is a perfectly normal human being, to an it, an object of your judgment, and maybe even a touch of your wrath, right? 
Well, of course, they take forever uh, to go out to the, to the parking lot, so you're able to get all of your groceries not only uh, swiped through the belt in one transaction, but also paid for and in your cart, and you get out to your car, and you push your cart out to the back of the car, and you open up your hood, and all of a sudden, through the windshield, you see this same person that was right in front of you, and they park their cart right by this big old 15-passenger van, and one by one, they take out their grocery bags and the checkbooks and hand them to senior citizens who no longer can go to the grocery store by themselves and go shopping. And all of a sudden, you realize a little bit more of their story, and you're able to say that that is a thou and no longer an it. If you, like me, have a tendency to oftentimes objectify and itify, if you want to say it that way, other people, you're not alone. So often I find myself objectifying people when I'm driving around during tulip time, and they seem to have a different pace of life than I do. Not taking into consideration my needs to get somewhere with three minutes, and they're making it take 18. Or maybe you objectify some own people in your own family by expecting from them what you would want or need instead of what they want or need. Or maybe you objectify someone by limiting them to the oh too often phrase, you always do that. It's an endless real list, really, isn't it? The ways in which we create an it out of someone else. The renewal of our minds, though, is an invitation to consider the thou of someone else. The way in which God has created them, the unique gifts that God has given them, and that their story is probably a lot bigger than the story I know of them. Embodying this thou relationship towards others is the courageous move to making space for God's unique characteristics in them. Lastly, number three, how does a renewed mind transform our relationships with ourselves? Seeing our relationship with the world and others through this it-thou paradigm might maybe even come naturally to us. I have begun to see it all over the place as we have been studying this book this week. But too often, I find it easy to objectify myself. So often, I reduce myself to an it, and maybe you do too. We reduce ourselves to what we look like. We reduce ourselves to what we can do as compared to what other people can do. We reduce ourselves to how much money we make or how well we can perform our duties. Or maybe most seductively, we reduce ourselves to what we think other people are thinking of us. This is not the thou God has named you. This is not who you are in light of what God has done for you. This morning, we had a chance to baptize two indisputably beautiful children and affirm that they are children of God, baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ and promised the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life now and forever. Why is it that we can say that these two children are indisputably children of God, covered by grace and renewed by the Spirit, but yet we can't say the same of ourselves? Maybe it's because so often we are tricked 
were tricked into believing the deceptive scripts in our minds, tricked by the scripts to think that we are unworthy or different in a bad way or don't belong. And yet baptism this morning wasn't just for Brady Clark and for Genevieve, Geneva Jean. It's a good reminder for all of us that this is what Jesus says about each and every one of you. It was for you that I came into this world. I lived a life, an example for you that you might follow and experience the greatest life ever. It was for you that I died on the cross and in my death, I put to death all of those descriptive or deceptive scripts in your mind so that you could be freed from them and the power of sin in your life. It was for you that I conquered death and rose from the dead so that you too might experience new life, new life now and in the life to come. For you are God's beloved. You are my child, Jesus says, and with you I am well pleased. Being transformed by the renewal of our minds includes changing the way we think and act towards ourselves, towards others, and to the world at large. No longer do we simply reduce, objectify, and see them as the its of this world, but as the thou of God, created, redeemed, and loved by Jesus Christ himself. May we as a community, be open to how God is renewing our minds in relationship with the others. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, as we go from this place and in response to what we've heard, and I invite you to stand. And the closing song is, May the mind of Christ my Savior, may this be our prayer, that Christ's mind would live in and through us each day.
My friends, you are the thou of God. May you see this world as the thous of God, and may we be a community that shares the love of Christ with our renewed minds. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Go in peace and enjoy Mother's Day. <laughs>